It's from Richard Raw. <clears throat> After conversion, you don't look out at reality, you look out from reality. In other words, God is not out there. You are in God, and God is in you. You are in the middle of reality. You're a part of it. It's a mystery of participation. After his conversion experience, Paul is obsessed with the idea that I'm participating in something that's bigger than me. In fact, he uses the phrase in Christ 164 times to describe this organic unity and participation in Christ. I live no longer, not I, but Christ lives in me. In Christ is his code phrase for this new participatory life. This is a completely different experience of life. I don't have to fully write my private story. It's being written with me and in me. I am already a character on the stage. I am being used. I am being chosen. I am being led. After conversion, you will know that your life is not about you. You are about life. You are about God. You're an instance of both the agony and the ecstasy of God that is happening inside of you. And all you can do is say yes to it. After transformation, it's not about doing it right. It's about being in right relationship. It's not about being correct. It's about being connected. After conversion, you don't experience self-consciousness so much as what the mystics call pure consciousness. Self-consciousness implies a dualistic split with me over here thinking about that over there. The mind remains dualistic until you have a mystical experience. Then the subject-object split is overcome. You can't maintain it forever, but you'll know it once in a while, and you'll never be satisfied with anything less. In unitive experience, you're freed from the burden of self-consciousness. You are living in, through, and with another. That's the same as the experience of truly being in love. Falling and being in love, like unitive experience, cannot be sustained at the ecstatic level, but it can be touched upon and then integrated within the rest of your life. Thanks, Heather. It's a family affair today. I'm married to her, and the other one was uh, just just to explain. If you I have to explain these things, right? Okay, so this is the fourth in a series that we're doing um, on the nature of being. We've been looking at the nature of being, and over the last few week, uh, few weeks, we've been looking at what it means to be. We've seen that the nature of being is affected by our, our, how we be is affected by our worldview. Uh, and we express ourselves out of that worldview. And last week, I looked at different stages of consciousness that reflected different worldviews. And we looked last week at the idea of soul consciousness, a quantum shift of the goalposts being aware of ourselves, as Richard Wall was saying, as part of something bigger, almost dying to the old level and becoming a new person. Conversion, being born again, the result of which is an expanded vision and the desire to tell others, being less attached to our beliefs, a greater awareness of the mind. 
a sort of grand unification, a new spirituality as a meshwork for all existence, multiple levels of interaction. And when, when Richard Draw is talking about conversion, he's really talking about the entry into soul consciousness. I mean, we get so hung up with the idea of conversion now, particularly with Christian conversion, stuff like that. It's not about sort of believing in Jesus, as some people would say it was, but it's not, I don't think. It's about entering into a soul consciousness, you know, that metanoia, that transformation of your mind, where our lives are given to being a part of the formation of a greater consciousness. We give ourselves, we become living sacrifices, literally sacrificio, the Latin word uh, holy made. We are made holy by giving ourselves to this. And today, um, you know, the other day, rather, when I talked about why bother with all of this, I did a message on why bother with all this, I talked about the idea of leaning into our difficulties. And in doing so, we're drawn into that by that divine order of life. That by ourselves, we can only use our minds to try and think ourselves into the best. But by allowing ourselves to become something greater, we lend ourselves to being that divine, which is fundamentally good. Remember, Jesus said, you know, why do you call me good? I'm not good. Only God is good. And by ourselves, as it says in the communion service, by ourselves, our lives are empty and dead. But by allowing ourselves to be drawn into goodness and used, we become good. We become part, and this is where I want to talk about today, we become part of the cosmic ordering of life. We become part of that cosmos. Because, in fact, the word cosmos actually means order. That's what the actual word, the entomology of the word cosmos, it means order. The cosmos is the order that presents itself to us. And we are a part of that order, of that cosmos. The old English definition of the word order is a system of parts subject to a certain uniform, established rank or proportion. You get an idea of that. It's a system of parts subject to a certain uniform, established rank or proportion. And was used about everything in the old days, from archangels to architecture. It all had order. So today I want to talk a little bit about the nature of order. And I've called it the joy of order, because I think that when we touch that order, we experience joy. When we feel it, we experience joy. It produces pleasure and delight in us. You know, we, we get pleasure and delight when we see things being ordered. And when we become part of that order, it's a deep joy. Of course, the problem is that most of the time we don't experience order. You know, we experience chaos in life most of the time. The chaos of life, the chaos of nature, the chaos of weather the chaos of war, the randomness of terrorism, crime, health, finance, and the markets. The smart money out there is on the fact that we live in a chaotic world. The smart money out there is on the fact that there is no order. Well, on one level, there's obviously order. I mean, the ceiling hasn't fallen in. Yet, and your donations will obviously help 
to make sure that the ceiling doesn't fall in. The sun has got its hat on. The earth continues to revolve. The planets take up their appointed places in the universe. And from a distance, everything looks rosy in the garden. But our experience is very different. And that's really because it's chaos out there. Tennyson, you know, as he said in his famous poem, In Memoriam, Tennyson talks about nature red in tooth and claw. Nature red in tooth and claw. And it goes on in the poem, O life as futile, then as frail. O for thy voice to soothe and bless. What hope of answer or redress behind the veil, behind the veil. And we know that chaos. We live it daily. So how can we say really, truthfully, that there is order in life? Oh, life is futile then as frail. What hope of answer or redress? That's the feeling, really, as we look around in the world. That's our experience, really, of out there. We feel nature red in tooth and claw. And we just know we can't control it. And any attempt to control it actually just causes more pain. The truth to the nature of order and how we experience that joy of order, the truth to the nature of order, lies within us. That's where we find the truth of order. You know, I've sort of said this before, but you know, I've got this idea that, you know, that humanity is the flower of creation. That we are the flower of evolution, you know, from the Big Bang to the Earth to life to complex organisms. You know, we're the flower of all that. You know, we are the most complex organism. And we have been produced by billions of years of evolution. You know, we're it. Humanity, for good or bad, is it. And as evolution continues, we see it more and more, as we've spoken here at the chapel before, we see it as really an evolution of consciousness. And we are part of that evolution of consciousness. And we are conscious beings here, given our part to play. Through our conversion, through our emergence into soul consciousness, that is part of the evolutionary process, the emergence into soul consciousness, through our becoming living sacrifices, through our being made holy. That, that is how it develops, consciousness. You know, I've used it before, but that quote from Paul's letter to Romans, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of the world. Chaos. Do not conform to the pattern of the world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. Then we're able to approve God's pleasing and perfect will. The natural divine order that exists in the cosmos is that pleasing and perfect will. That's where it exists. And you know, it's interesting, renewing of your mind, our minds reflect that chaos in life. You know, you think of your mind and the chaotic nature of it. it. It is a reflection of what goes on out there. And when we let our minds be part of that chaos, when we let the chaos reign in our minds, we just become part of chaos itself. 
you know, our bodies and our minds, we're just thrown into the mass, you know. We take a thought and we just run with it and we are suddenly in the chaos. It is, it is the chaos in our minds that reflects the chaos out there. So the true and perfect transformation of one's mind, the true ordering of one's mind, the, the creation of that, as, as it's put here, that, that true and perfect will through the renewing of your mind is the transformational process. Without that quietening of our mind, we become a part of chaos. And that leads to war. You get drawn into it and bombings and all the chaotic human behavior that we know is fundamentally dysfunctional. The way we resist that is through the renewing of our mind. We're able to experience that order that I'm talking about. We experience that order by becoming a part of it. We open ourselves in our inside to become part of that order. The order, therefore, lies within us rather than outside us, as Richard was saying. It lies within us rather than outside. To conform to the pattern of the world is to conform to the chaos that we all experience out there. To conform to the order at the heart of the universe is to conform to a divine order that is within each of us. And our role in life, our role as a part of soul consciousness, is to become part of that will, that order, and express it in our lives. That's our role in life. It's as simple as that. And you don't have to work it out with your mind because it doesn't come from your mind. You have to get your mind out of the way to express that order. And when you touch that order, you become part of it. We are therefore, human beings are essentially agents of order in a, in a chaotic world. Not our own order, but one that will allow us, one that will allow us to become part of a greater order, that greater whole that Paul talks about. And the expression of that order is, is part of the evolution of consciousness. That is a part of the unfolding of creation. We bring that order. And you can see it in humanity. You can see gradually, you know, in that, trans, that, that, that progression we had from Stone Age to now, you can see how order has come about through humanity. You know, basic stuff, you know, schools, hospitals, civilization, you know, all of that is an ordering process. The, way, the fact that we're not all leaping about the place, living in caves, that is an ordering process. We become order, and we become it in our lives. You know, we, as we express that order, it comes out of us. We become the order and we invite those around us through our actions to join us. We express that order and people see that order and we, uh, and they, we invite people to, to become part of it. The willingness to return pain and suffering that we experience, to return it with love and compassion, that emotional photosynthesis that we've spoken of, where we take in the pain of life and convert it into love, is becoming part of that order. Negative emotions throw you about. Anger, grief, fear, loss, all that sort of stuff. You're just thrown about all over the place. Emotional photosynthesis takes those feelings and brings order to them. It is an expression of order. And as the percentage of people in life express their order, or as self-consciousness grows, so the world gradually undergoes a process of ordered transformation. And it will take years and years and years. You can't look out at politics and say, oh, it's all chaos. You know, it is, you know, think of how long it's taken to get to where we are now. 
We're, we're part of that. And that order is playing the part, an unfolding of love, an order that's all part of the story of our journey to completion, to the second coming, if you want to take it in Christian language, or to that point where all creation recognizes itself as being part of the divine. Until we cast our crowns before you, lost in one, whatever, whatever happens, whoever knows. I mean, this idea of Jesus surfing down in the clouds, I mean, just as bonkers as any other idea. I mean, really, it is a, a completion point, what Tia de Shardai calls an omega point, where all creation recognizes itself, where, where there are no others, and where everything sees and knows itself as part of a greater whole. That is that moment of creation. So the joy of order comes when we express that order when we find that order as part of out there, when we bring that order into out there. And people, you know, interesting, they look for order out there. They don't look for order inside most of the time. Most people try and find order out there, which is desperately difficult. It's impossible because it's chaos out there. And they look for order outside themselves rather than within. They try to see God's good and perfect plans in the unfolding of their life. When reality, it's chaos at the level that we live in. The stars might be in the heavens, but cancer, death, upset, and everything else leads to problems. And when we try to fashion order out of chaos, when we look out there for it and put ourselves into the mix, then we open ourselves as Shakespeare says, to the slings and arrows of of outrageous fortune. That's what we open ourselves to when we try and make it out there. People try to see that order in terms of, both in terms of good and evil. They try and see this order as being out there. You know, they point to God out there in the heavens, to Jesus and to the saints, and they say, look, it's so ordered. Be good and God will love you. Obey the law and everything's going to be okay. And then you get cancer or are robbed. Because order doesn't work like that. Order's not out there. You're just joining up the dots with wishful thinking. You're joining up dots with wishful thinking. Religion then becomes an idealized, fabricated reality. Constructed by us out of what we see out there and we try and live within it until we can't. And you know the same is true for evil as well. To my mind, there's no such thing as latent evil. There's no such thing as latent evil. There are just people who join up the dots on what is fundamentally chaos and try and impose an order on that chaos and say, look, there is an evil ordering. There is Satan. You know, devil worshippers then try and become part of that evil and channel its powers. And it always ends badly. Because what they're dealing with is fundamentally not ordered. They're linking themselves up to chaos. And therefore, when that chaos goes, they go the same way. Because it's not fundamentally ordered. They say, look, there is the evil ordering. You know, there is Satan. But the fact of the matter is that what they're dealing with is not ordered. It's chaotic. And they give themselves up to be part of chaos. And it destroys them. If you try and find order out there, you always end up with a problem. Because, of course, there is an order out there, but it's not an order that we can understand or relate to. 
you know, we're like little electrons whizzing around an atom. From our place, we cannot be expected to understand that order. As I said before, trying to understand God is like a fish trying to understand a cash register. There's such a, a number of things you have to leap through for a fish to understand what a cash register is. It's the same for us to try and understand why, you know, why did my child die? We can't understand these things. We can't say, oh, it's for a reason. There is a chaos out there. To look for order outside ourselves is to look in the wrong place. We have to look within. We have to look to that still, small voice to lean into our difficulty and allow ourselves to bring order to what's around us through our understanding. And the result of that is an ordered life. Not an order imposed by our minds, but one that we can experience being part of. You know, T.S. Eliot puts it fantastically in the Four Quartets. He says, at the still point of the turning world, there's the order, at the still point of the turning world, neither flesh nor fleshless, neither from nor towards, at the still point, there the dance is, but neither arrest nor movement. And do not call it fixity where past and future are gathered, neither movement from nor towards, neither ascent nor decline, except for the point, the still point, there would be no dance. And there is only the dance. I can only say there we have been, but I cannot say where. I cannot say how long, for that is to place it in time. The inner freedom from the practical desire, the release from action and suffering, release from the inner and the outer compulsion, yet surrounded by a grace of sense, a white light still and moving, eribung without movement, concentration without elimination, both a new world and an old made explicit, understood in the completion of its partial ecstasy the resolution of its partial horror, yet the enchainment of past and future, woven in the weakness of the changing body, protects mankind from heaven and damnation, which flesh cannot endure. That still point, that order, protects mankind from heaven and damnation, false order that we try to impose on us which flesh cannot endure. There is your order at that still point. There is your joy. And it's our role to embody it, to bring order out of chaos. In all areas, as we walk through life, in our relationships, in our finances, in the way that we live, in our houses, in our bodies, in the earth, creation comes out of chaos but we have the imperative to create order. And it is our role to create a new order. And be aware of that in your life. Be aware of it when you tolerate chaos, when you tolerate disorder around you, when you just allow it to be, 
when you can have an effect on it. So look at your life and see where you do tolerate that, where you let it be. Because if you let it be in one area, it will be everywhere. It will be everywhere. And I'm not saying that everything has to be neat and tidy, although I am. (laughs) Just that if you don't deal with the chaos when you can, then you will stay a part of it rather than a part of the order. It's just a feeling. you just got to sense it. It is like, you know, Jesus on the wave. It's riding that wave of life, being part of that order. To have things neat and tidy is not about control. If If you're sane, you know that control is impossible. You do know that control is impossible. It's more as an expression of order. We have to become an expression of order that welcomes chaos when it comes and always responds with loving order. We have to welcome chaos when it comes and respond with loving order. We embody rather than suppress. We trust rather than fear. We love rather than blame. We surrender rather than impose. We are not attached to the outcome. Because it's not our outcome. As uh, it says in the Tai Te Ching, just to finish. A good traveller has no fixed plans and is not intent on arriving. A good artist lets his intuition lead him wherever it wants. A good scientist has freed himself of concepts and keeps his mind open to what is. Thus the master is able, is available to all people. Thus the master is available to all people and doesn't reject anyone. He's ready to use all situations and doesn't waste anything. This is, in call, this is called embodying the light. Embodying the light. This is the nature of order. This is called embodying the light. What is a good man? but a bad man's teacher. What is a bad man, but a good man's job? If you don't understand this, you will get lost, however intelligent you are. It is the great secret. That's Lanzu. So, I've come to the end. That is order. It is an expression of embodiment rather than a suppression. Let's pray. Lord, this memorial weekend, we do think of all those who've given their lives. That we may be free to talk about this stuff and be this stuff and noodle with this stuff. Lord, we just give you thanks for people that have given the ultimate sacrifice all over the world and particularly in our country. We think of people that continue to do that. We think of the chaos all around the world. Particularly think of the Coptic Christians in Egypt and that bombing this week. Think of those in Manchester and the bombing there. Think of those suffering chaos in trouble spots around the world, in prisons, in hospitals feeling a part of a randomness that strikes anywhere. And Lord, we pray that we may be part of that ordering, that we may sense what to do, how to embody it, how to have it be 
a part of our lives. We pray that it may, may enter into our leaders, that they may embody this ordering. And you may bless us as we move towards that omega point, that transformation of consciousness that we're part of in society. Pray for visitors to our town this weekend and our valley, all those working today and this week. Pray for those we specially think of at the moment, uh, Patricia Hill, Barbara Orcutt, Will Welsh, particularly Valbrick, Karlberg and her, her family at the moment. Difficult time for them. Anne Hodges, Tracy Houston, Galen Gatsky, Tom Jones, Linda Schneider, Katie Zanto, Jeff Schlepp, Lauren Ann Bauer, Jan Metz, Lainey Hers, Soleil. Continue to pray for the family of uh, Sarah Wolf, family of Melanie Galdarski, and Susan Gomez and the family of Pepper Gomez. Pray for Sharon Wells and all those who are suffering grief at any form at all, that you will bless them and enable them to touch that order in their lives. Make sense of the living. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.